Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire. Kapuma. Welcome in, brother man. How you doing? I'm doing all right, dude. Just uh, just happy to be here. Let's do it. We're coming down to the home stretch of, uh, you know, last minute push for the playoffs and in uh, pro football i'm i'm super excited like uh let's let's go yes sir four weeks left the playoff picture is shaking out um all these games now are gonna be big right i mean there's gonna be a lot of movement some teams that are in now are not gonna be in some teams that are high up in the rankings might fall down out so a lot to watch over the last four weeks but i'm just getting excited we've got about eight weeks of good football left, four in the regular season, about four or five in the postseason, and then sadness. Sadness reigns. Yep, it's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll pull through. It's going to be fine. We'll be all right. Yes, sir. But let's start with one of the best games of the weekend on Saturday night, actually, at 15 p.m. Your 8-5 and five Miami Dolphins coming off back-to-back losses are going up to Buffalo to take on the 10-3 and three Buffalo Bills. Forecast calls for some snow. We could see seven inches on the ground. Puma, the Dolphins are your team. Talk to me, bro. What's happening? What's going on with your boys? So, against the 49ers, I would concede, all right, like, it wasn't a good game, but it's against the best defense in the NFL right now. You know, it was a six-point game with up until about, you know, four minutes left in the football game. Okay, fine. I can live with that. Uh, the the Chargers game, I, I have no idea. I'm at a loss for words. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't really know what the hell happened out there. You know, uh, you have Jalen Waddle barely being involved. Uh, Tyreek Hill kind of doing it all, uh, putting the team on his back, whether it's the fumble recovery for a touchdown or, you know, that long post route or, you know, up the seam, I should say. He lost the ball on a post route that would have been an easy touchdown. Um, but, uh, Jay, the only way I could describe what happened against the Chargers, we were talking about this offline, is – I think it was a mix of two things. Uh, it was an obvious look-ahead spot for this matchup in Buffalo this weekend. And two, I think, you know, the game plan might have shifted, like, as the week went. When they, you know, they stayed out on the West Coast. They didn't come back from the San Francisco. They stayed out there. Um, yeah, I, I think the game plan initially was to run the football a ton because the Chargers can't stop the run to save their life. And as they started seeing more and more defensive studs on the Chargers be, you know, limited or ruled out, you know, as the practice week went on, maybe they changed it up and was like, all right, we're just going to go back to throwing the ball 50 times to try to air it out. Maybe this coaching staff bought into the, hey, we got to show off Tua in the Tua versus Herbert debate. I'm not putting a whole lot of stock in it. The only thing I can come up with is, the the uh, the look ahead spot and the game plan changing and honestly I think Tua's a little bit more hurt than what they're leading on and I think Tyreek Hill with an ankle injury in cold weather with seven inches of snow on the ground is going to be a massive problem this weekend against the Buffalo Bills. So are you assuming the game plan going into this week um, is going to look drastically different? Obviously, right? I assume the running attack is going to be front and center. I mean, God willing, I mean, we saw we saw this going all the way back, you know, three weeks ago when the Bills faced, you know, the Green Bay Packers, when the Packers were down 17 points. Everyone's wondering why they're still running the football while they're down, you know, such a big amount of, of points. And, I mean, it was working. You can run on the Buffalo Bill defense. Mm-hmm. And that's no disrespect to Matt Milano and Tredavious White and Jordan Poyer. And I heard a stat. I don't think the Bills have lost a game whenever Jordan Poyer is actually active and in the lineup. So, like, you know, that's not, I'm not taking shots at the Bills' defense. They're an absolute elite unit. But they're going to have to run the ball, not just because of the weather conditions, Jay. This defense has been on the field for 80-plus plays in back-to-back Ooh. weeks. Like, they are going to have to give this defense a little bit of a breather. And this defense, it was starting to show its ugly head of the beginning of the season. And then, you know, this offense is putting up 30 points a game, so it's going to cover a lot of warts. But, you know, the I still have the Dolphins making the playoff. I'm still hopeful they're going to make a wild card spot. But uh, this defense is going to be the biggest liability of whether or not the Finns make a deep playoff run at this point. Well, it's interesting because that's the first time this past Sunday night is when I 
for the first time ever, I've seen Mike McDaniel get, get out coached, right? And obviously, this is just like what his tenth or I'm sorry, twelfth or thirteenth game, so we have a small sample size. But I was just stunned at the fact that Brandon Staley, who I think is a known idiot with a backup JV squad defense, was able to cause such like havoc on the the Miami Dolphins offense, right? Like I assume, like going in, yes, obviously you got to stop Tyreek Hill, you got to rough him up, and they had a good game plan, right? Uh, obviously flip the zones and make twelve throw outside. Fine, we get it. I was just stunned that. McDaniels wasn't able to adjust on the fly, right? I mean, maybe he was, and Tua just wasn't seeing it because there were a couple of times when, you know, there were some drag underneath routes or some out routes that are open, and maybe Tua's lack of arm or maybe Tua just wasn't seeing it. Whatever it was, the ball wasn't getting there. So it, it was interesting, the, the tactic they took. They definitely, you know, roughed up the wide receivers. Um, they flooded the zones in the middle of the field. So, you know, I, I give props to Brandon Staley, who I have very little respect for, for actually coming up with a great game plan, right? Now, Buffalo is going to be a different story, right? I mean, you're talking about a, a team. Actually, both teams are going to take the tactic of trying to run the ball and play muck it, you know, dirty football. At the end of the day, the Buffalo Bills, as much as a high-flying attack they are, they even sometimes struggle up in the cold weather or, or the elements to try to air the ball out. So I can see them running the ball as well. It's going to come down to which team is the toughest in this kind of game. And I'm sorry, I, I cannot pick the, the Miami Dolphins to win this game in Buffalo when they were on the sidelines in L.A. with heaters on with 55-degree weather. You feel me? Like that. When I saw that story, like I want to get your reaction on that. And I know it's a small trivial thing, but the second I saw that, I'm thinking to myself, Bro, like, if you need heaters on a 55-degree day in L.A., like, what are you going to do when you're in Buffalo or in Kansas City in the playoffs? Really just getting ready to have the heaters there. I don't, I don't know. I honestly didn't even hear that story. But You didn't hear the story? I, I, no, I, uh, so I the Miami did not Dolphins, hear the heater story. The Miami Dolphins sideline needed heaters, propane-generated heaters, for a 55-degree day in L.A. Nice. Let that marinate. Let that sink in. Like, I mean, I know it's something small and trivial, and, you know, it's it's uh, idiotic of me to come on here and try to provide analysis and be like, oh, that's the reason why I'm not going to pick them. But, like, what am I supposed to think when your team needs heaters on a 55-degree day? Like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> I I don't blame you. Yeah. I, don't, I don't blame you. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't hear that. I'll send it to you after we're done. No, I, you know, I didn't pay attention to the heater thing, but... uh <laughs> I, I'm kind of I'm actually amazed. That's that's hilarious. <laughs> Considering what's been going on with me the like the last like ninety six hours, like that's yeah. actually kind of hilarious. That's the funniest thing I've heard. Um, but like you know the other thing too, you know get to get back to Miami in the run game. Jeff Wilson Jr. is probably not going to play. He he left the game last week uh, against the Chargers with a hip injury. So like this is probably going to be like the the Raheem. Moster and you know Salvan Ahmed, you know backfield here. Um, I I don't know, man. I, I I think you know obviously they're gonna have to run the ball. You're going logic would say that you're going to figure out a way to get the ball in Waddle's hands and Tyreek Hill's hands, assuming he's going to be you know full go in this game with an ankle injury. You know whether or not it's like a jet sweep or a wide receiver screen, something like that. But you're gonna have to you know, generate some sort of run game to, to spare that defense because that defense was getting stops, uh, but they got hung out to dry so many times. And, you know, they had the assistance of a referee, but that's neither here nor there. I'm not going to pin the loss <laughs> on whether or not it was a roughing the passer call, not that guy. Just, oh, I was so pissed. But, I mean, Buffalo is a seven-point favorite at home. I have Buffalo winning the game. I kind of think Miami finds a way to keep it in the inside the number, keep it within seven, just because I think both sides are going to try to run the ball a lot. So I'm I'm going to go with Buffalo winning, but Miami's going to cover the seven. Yeah, I, I think that's what I'm going to lean towards as well. I think we both have Buffalo winning this game just because, I mean, those guys – yeah, they're kind of quiet and they're just kind of winning barely. They're not blowing people out and they're kind of played a couple of bad opponents. I, I they've you know they've kind of just like faded from the light a little bit, but I I definitely do think the Buffalo Bills are going to win this. But it's going to be close. I mean, the, the weather factor and the fact that both teams you know are going to try to run the ball, it's going to be a close, you know, dirty, mucked up kind of game. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to and it. Cole Beasley might be active. Cole he, Beasley signed with the team. So. Oh wow, interesting, huh? What's yep, your thought, he what, signed. What's your thoughts on that signing? Um, so 
my thoughts are I, I don't think Odell is going to go up to Buffalo anytime soon, mm-hmm. uh, especially given his comments. Well, it looks of like how Odell's he, not going anywhere anytime soon. He doesn't want to play in the regular season. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, just tag me in for the playoffs. Like, I'm the football mm-hmm. version of Rod Clemens, but mm-hmm. that's a story for another day. But I think, you know, looking at the Bills and, like, the X's and O's, like they, they like Khalil Shakir. Uh, they drafted him. Uh, I think he was a second or third rounder. Uh, to, you know, compete for the slot wide receiver role with Jamison Crowder and uh, and uh, Isaiah McKenzie. Crowder uh, was on IR uh, because I think he ha- he fractured an ankle. So he's been on IR since early on in the season. And Isaiah McKenzie's just been inconsistent. He'll have awesome games like Thanksgiving or, you know, week three against the, you know, Miami Dolphins in South Florida where he went at, you know, he went off because he was Josh Allen's safety valve. But then there's moments like the Kansas City game where he is nowhere to be found. He has stone hands. And I think, you know, during this playoff run, Buffalo wants to lock up the number one seed to have the playoffs go through Buffalo in the wintertime. Uh, Cole Beasley coming back there, to me, I think Cole Beasley is going to be active this weekend. Um, it's, you know, it has, the offense hasn't changed a whole lot. I think he's going to be active. I kind of feel like Isaiah McKenzie may or may not be on borrowed time with that roster, just given the, you know, inconsistency of, uh, of his performance from time to time. But I think it's a, it's a big ad to get Cole Beasley back on this roster. Yeah, and obviously I can speak for you as well. We're both Josh Allen fans. We're both somewhat Buffalo Bills fans. We want them to to win the Super Bowl. And and I know that Josh is going to need every single weapon he needs. And and I'm kind of ecstatic they brought Cole Beasley back. Obviously, you know, he's had that rapport with them over the years. You know, he was productive up there. So, you know, I'm I'm happy he's going to jump in and help out where needed. Now, the, the issue is, like, you know, for all the high flying offense that the Bills had in the beginning of the year, like, it's really just Stephon Diggs the last like six weeks. Like Gabe Davis has mm-hmm. completely disappeared. I can't even find that dude anymore. McKenzie, like you detailed, is obviously just you know inconsistent. Dawson Knox will have like one good game and then he'll be gone for four games and then he'll reappear with another like you know um, another catch in a big game. But it's just like that whole team, the Buffalo Bills. Like you know we're rooting for them, but they're just so they're just so like. You know, tough to watch. They like really like you know make you hate hate them at some respects when they just suck so bad. You feel me? Like it's like, bro, mm-hmm. why can't you be more consistent? Why can't you be like the Chiefs? Like every single day, I gotta watch Patrick Mahomes. You know, have these stupid games and everybody's sucking his jock. So I don't know. Maybe it's just my my Chiefs hate hatred coming out here. But I just need them to be more consistent and and obviously force the, the playoffs to go through Buffalo. Yep. No, I'm right there with you. Now, now, is, now, is Gabe Davis, like, falling out of favor, or is, this, uh, that, is his lack of production simply just an issue of you think that Josh Allen might not be healthy? I I think it's a mix of two things. I think it's the health factor of, of Josh Allen, but also the health factor of Gabe Davis. I mean, he was, he's mm-hmm. been dealing with a nagging ankle injury since early on in the season, and I get it. It's, you know, December 14th. Everybody's hurt as, in some capacity. Uh, but I mean, those are, that's the only thing logically that I can think of, you know, and plus, you know, if you're Josh Allen, you're trying to get the ball to this dude and, you know, whether or not he's dropping it, you're not on the same page with him on what route he's running. And you have Stefan Diggs who you have like a mental connection with pretty much like C ball, B ball type of type of deal. Like, who are you going to try to get the ball to all the time? I would go with the guy that's a little bit more reliable down the stretch recently, and that's Stephon Diggs at this point. I mean, it, Gabe Davis is going to have to earn the trust back from Josh Allen, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. Good point. All right. You ready to talk about some Patriots? You ready for me to have a therapy session? Oh, let's go. <laughs> you seem so excited. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. Because we, I, I know how this is going to go. How's it going to go? It, you tell it's me. It's going to go Mac Jones, mental weakness, pop gum, pop gun arm. He's got a rag arm. The coaching <laughs> staff is a sham. Is a sham. Billow, the, Billow the clown, Bill of fraud, Bill of shit. He don't give a shit. Yo, Bob Kraft, how could he watch this? We've gone from 20 years of excellence <laughs> to this, the XFL. That's where we're going to go. Wow, am you, I right or am I wrong? You've played all the hits. I guess we're going to cover the topic, right? <laughs> go on, Jay. Go on. Oh, Bob. man. Where do I even start, Puma? The, uh, the New England Patriots, 7-6, uh, are coming off a win against the Arizona Cardinals, taking on the 5-8 and eight 
Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday night, um, or actually Sunday at four or five. But listen, a lot, a lot is to be talked about with the with the the narrative around the Patriots, the coaching staff, Mac Jones, and you know, it's just you know, it's just frustrating, Puma. We're thirteen weeks into the season, and I'm gonna be trying to be as analytical as possible and not just play the hits, but. We're 13 weeks in Puma, and, like, the offense has not gotten any better at all. If anything, it's probably getting worse. And, like, I don't know if there's an answer to fix it. Um, You know, I'm not going to pretend to be one of those all-22 guys that sits at home and crunches the tape all day to give you the answers. But, like, clearly it's not working. Like, wherever, wherever you go, it's not working. Whether it's Mac Jones, the coaching, the offensive line, the receivers... And, and I think what's getting lost in the narrative this week that really irks me is that, like, Bill Belichick's... This is, like, one of Bill Belichick's biggest, like, debacles. Like, his, one of his biggest mistakes in his coaching career, obviously, is letting, letting Tom Brady go or pushing him out the back door. But this got to be up there somewhere with the fact that they ruined this kid's development in Mac Jones. And, you know, there's a lot to unpack there. But, you know, the game itself against the Raiders, like... I really don't know. Like, I mean, the whole game plan that New England plays with is basically we're going to wait it out. We're going to, we're not going to do anything stupid and we're going to ensure that the other team does something stupid and then we'll win the game. Like, there's no like aggressive mindset of going out there and trying to beat a team, right? Like back in the day, we would obviously have, you know, killer plays or killer quarters that would go out there and take the game from the opponent. Now it's more of a, let's just sit back and, you know, kind of see approach and hopefully, hopefully the, uh, the other team uh, messes it up. And, and I don't know. Maybe the Raiders will. Maybe they won't. Maybe the Raiders will come out and they've got Darren Waller back this week, which is obviously key. They're going to have Hunter, Hunter uh, Renfro back with his slot, slot wide receiver. He's back. So maybe Josh McDaniel really wants to win against, you know, Bill Belichick and he's going to have a, a brand new game plan and he's going to incorporate Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and it's going to be something the Patriots can't stop. I really don't know. But truthfully, like, I have no faith in the team. It's just basically going to be like, who makes who makes less mistakes? Right, and, and, you know, I was going to say that off the top about the Pats-Cardinals game. Yeah, like, the Pats won, and, yeah, they covered. Um, I was on the other side. I had Cardinals plus uh, two and a half. Uh, But, I mean, the Cardinals lost that game more than New England went out of their way to actually win the damn thing. Like, they weren't making any big plays. the whole year. It's... It was death by a thousand razor blades. You know, Ramondre Stevenson got hurt. Who knows if he's going to play? Uh, it sounds like Devontae Parker might miss this with the concussion protocol. Isaiah Wynn, who knows? Trent Brown, maybe he's going to have another batch of like the 72-hour flu like two weeks ago. I, I, Jay, I don't know. I'm, I'm questioning a lot of the buy-in from the Pats at this point. Um, th- th- there's just so much to get into on that side of the football. But to, for the Raiders side of things, I, I still I, the Raiders. I can't one. I can't believe they lost a Baker Mayfield. I can't believe who, that who, My who literally was so like sick. was there thirty six <laughs> there thirty six hours. I, I was so pissed because I had the Raiders in a couple in a lot of parlays that absolutely torpedoed my weekend last week. Uh, but I mean, game plan wise, I think Josh Jacobs is going to have a, a decent day. I think he's going to be able to run some on this defense. I mean, we saw what James Conner did from time to time. And in my opinion, like no offense, James Conner, like he's not the you know type of back that Josh Jacobs is like talent wise at this point in their careers. Um, so I like Josh Jacobs to have a day. I think Devonte Adams is just a bully that secondary. Oh my God, yes, so <laughs> I, I have like, you know, thoughts and prayers to that, to that secondary of the new England Patriots, but it's going to come down to, are the Raiders going to Raider it up? Are they uh-huh. going to be up two scores and they're going to find a way to lose the game. Is Derek Carr going to throw another back-breaking interception in the red zone? Or in the end zone, for that matter. Oh, I was – oh, man. I clearly have not moved off that of so that bad. game against the Rams. But, you know, the defensive side of the football for the Raiders, they've gotten better. Uh, Hobbs, I believe, I think he's going to be coming back, uh, one of their one of their cornerbacks. Uh you know, Sam Webb, he's questionable right now, but I'm, I'm pretty sure one of their guys is coming off of IR. I, I don't want to get shot by, like, the Raider faithful here on in the YouTube comments. Uh-huh. I'm 90% sure it's Hobbs. But, you know, one of the better corners is coming back potentially for this game. And I think, you know, uh, Max Crosby and and uh, and Chandler Jones are, are going to potentially manhandle this offensive line and make life uncomfortable for Mac Jones. So, I mean, right now, the line, 
Oh, God. The line on DraftKings, the unofficial official sports book of the Pro Football Radio Podcast, is the Raiders plus one at home. I'm kind of going. I'm going with the Raiders to win. Like it, it to me, it's Raiders or nothing at this point. I've seen nothing from Matt Patricia, Bill Belichick, Mac Jones, psycho not Steve Belichick in, on defense to, to inspire confidence in them uh, of being a favorite. And I'm saying that as a guy that lost Cardinals plus two and a half, but I definitely would make that bet again. I think it was just the Cardinals going out of their way to lose that game, even with Colt McCoy at quarterback. Yeah, yeah, of course. All right, so let's let's hit on um, the Mac Jones Patriot coaching thing real quick. I mean, I'm not gonna have like a 10 minute diatribe about this just because you get sick and tired of it, right? But like, you know, watching that game on Monday Night Puma, like the one thing that's like glaring to me is like, well, first of all, let me clear something up. Like, we've got to stop this Matty P thing. Like, it's not Matt Patricia's fault. Like, this is not Matt Patricia's fault. This, like, I, I hope you and everybody else understands that. Matt Patricia is simply a mouthpiece. All he does is moves his mouth, and everything coming out of it is what Bill Belichick is telling him to have come out of it, right? So Bill Belichick, from all the reporting in New England, has been in those offensive meetings for probably more than half of the year now, and he's made it a priority to be in those meetings because it's gone so sour and so bad. And it's 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 kind of insane that, for quote-unquote the genius that he is, we're this far into the season and he's had these many weeks to fix it and it's simply not being fixed, right? And and I don't know what it is, whether it is Bill Belichick just not smart enough to conceptualize um, offenses. Uh, I don't think that's the case. I don't know if it's the offensive line sucking or I don't know if it's the, the quarterback who obviously, you, I, you know, I think very little of him. But we're getting to a point now where like it's starting to become very, very... Um, disrespectful right and, and i always had this problem with kyler murray on his on-field antics and now a couple weeks in a row mac jones is walking down that path of being this guy that pushes the blame off of himself like when anything goes bad he's like screaming yelling and i get it like you know obviously players in the nfl do that tom brady has done it for years on end but i mean there's some there's some you've got to earn that right to do that if you feel me so i'm just i'm just shocked that mac jones on a weekly basis is basically disassociating himself with the problem when in reality he's a big part of the problem that's what irks me the most about him is that he's starting to have the bad body language and he's starting to wave off coaches and he's starting to wave off kendrick Bourne. i saw that the other night something that colin murray did quite a bit where he would throw a bad pass and then like focus the energy of the bad pass on kendrick Bourne being the issue the wide receiver so I'm just starting to see a pattern of um, troubling behavior out of Mac Jones. Um, I've always thought little of him, but now he's starting to walk down this path where he's trying to say, hey, it's not me. It's completely on Bill. Like, Patricia, whatever. He's just calling the plays. But that's the guy that messed it all up. I can buy that. I, <clears throat> I'll, I'll meet you halfway. Like, it's not a good look. But, like, you know, considering what this sham and farce of a coaching staff is like I, I can't really blame him for being pissed but here's my counter argument to this and we've been talking about it since last year and we've hit on it every now and then you know throughout the season the locker room has been chirping a whole lot too do you yep. think mac jones is like kind of being like the vocal mouthpiece of everybody kind of saying He's a saying what's not, what's well, in the room. Let me, let me, I mean, nobody's nobody's like dismissing it. You know, there's no there's no veteran in that locker room that's like telling going to like the media. You know, as like a leak, being like, oh, veteran players in the locker room have you know disagree with how Mac Jones conducted himself. I haven't seen any of that coming out of Foxborough from beat reporters, from national writers, from nothing. Like absolutely nobody. Like I don't see anything like that. But I've seen a ton of players come out and openly criticize the coaching staff and decisions and the play calling and all that. Well, of course they're going to Puma. Like, if, you're, if your leader, your quarterback is doing that publicly, then that's what's so troubling about this is that everybody else is going to follow suit. You feel me? And, and Mac Jones, I get it, bro. Like, Mac, I understand where you're coming from. The fact that you're not happy what's happening, I get that. But, dude, we're 13 weeks in. Like, you got to put that behind you and just go play ball, bro. At some point, you've got to come to the understanding that you're not the first quarterback that got screwed over by the NFL front office or an NFL coaching staff, right? A perfect example, Puma. Perfect example. Last year, Trevor Lawrence had by far the biggest debacle at head coaching this league has seen in probably 20 years, correct? 
Did he go out there? Season. Did yeah. he go out there and do these theatrics that Mac Jones is doing? Is is he openly having like mutinous like you know conversations in the locker room? Like it's 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 kind of insane that Mac Jones, this guy that we thought was a great leader, intangible, blah 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 blah, is kind of leading this charge from within. Like, listen, I, I am by no 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 means a a Bill Belichick fan. We've already established that, but I'm gonna side with him on this one. I never thought I'd say that. Like, if you as a quarterback are not going to buy in from day one in spring installs and then in the fall and then obviously in training camp and then the regular season like all when you don't buy into all of that you're actively the problem mac jones you didn't make you didn't try to make it work okay so your bill how do you fix this in the off season you can't i mean something something's got to give i mean it's either like ownership is going to come down and like dictate coaching staff changes to have the locker room and the franchise quarterback be happy or the head coach is going to have to clean house and tell the owner to like, Hey, we're going to have to eat a lot of, you know, bad contracts that I came to you with to try to revamp the team. Like something's got to give. I I'm starting to get sick and tired of the notion that he doesn't have enough weapons. Puma, they, they literally have the two of the best, possible tight ends money could buy in Hunter Henry and John Smith. Mm. I'm not saying the wide receivers are elite, but with the weapons that he has around him, he back Jones should be fine. Like there's there's far worse out there in regards to like weaponry around a a, a quarterback. So it's it, it truly comes down to how Mac Jones is a football player. They tried a very aggressive approach in the beginning of the season to try to air the ball out, to try to have this offense humming. The dude's arm doesn't get the ball downfield enough, and when it does, it gets intercepted. So that's why they're reining all this in, and that's my biggest problem is this dude is actively not trying to make this work. Like, he has a gripe or an axe to ground with Belichick, and I think a lot of it comes down to the Billy Zappi thing, and now he's, I'm not saying he's sabotaging it, but he's purposely not trying to make this work. Right. So let's, for argument's sake, like, do you move off of Mac Jones in the offseason? Like, do you find someone to trade? Because, I mean, you're 21st in the first round right now. Like, I don't think quarterbacks are going to fall down there. Like, this is is where the Dolphins have been since Marino retired is, like, we suck, but, like, we're good enough to be in the middle of the first round. And are there free aging quarterbacks that are better than Mac Jones? It's it's like what we took. It's what – so – I don't know if they're gonna part if they're gonna part ways with Jimmy Garoppolo at this point. I kind of feel like I kind of feel like that they they're not sold on 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 uh, you know oh god what's the, Trey uh, Trey Lance with the mm-hmm. the ankle and the lack of college experience and I mean I think the Bay Area is gonna love him and or that Brock Purdy kid depending on what happens but I mean. You're gonna pay. You're gonna pay more money for for Jimmy Garoppolo to come over in free agency. Like, I, I don't know if the, I don't know if Kraft's gonna do that. I mean, now well, you're down to whether or not Daniel Jones gets franchise tagged or transition tagged or or a, a bridge extension. Mitchell Trubisky, like, well, like I mean, listen, like at the end of the day, like I. In my perfect world, I would love for Mac Jones to get moved, but even I'm a realist and I understand Kraft is not going to allow for 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 Mac Jones to be you know shipped out only three years into his career with the Patriots. So they're going to try to make it work. Now, I just need to know: Can Mac Jones sit down with Belichick in the off season and come to an agreement that he's going to buy in and he's going to give it his best? Because, you know. I get it. You know, he, he's mad. He's angry. I get it. I totally do. But you're being a twat. You're being a brat. Simply put, you're being a bitch. Like, just, just shut the F up and play football. Like, I get it. I totally get it. You were not happy with how things turned out. Maybe you were hoping to have that Joe Burrow as second year jump. I get all that, bro. Like, trust me, I do. But at some point, you've got to put all that BS down. And, and, and if Kraft can, you know, go into a meeting with all three of them and come out thinking, you know what, the, all the everything has been buried and we can move forward, then sure, I, I guess we can make it work. We have to find a new offensive coordinator, obviously. That's going to be part of the stipulations that Kraft has had a conversation with, with Bill towards the end of the season. But, like, if, if Mac Jones isn't going to buy in, then A, the rest of the offense is not going to buy in and we're going to have this complete cycle of BS over and over again. And, and a lot of it's going to come down to the soul-searching Mac Jones has to do to buy in, because like he thinks he above, he's above all of this. Like that's the thing that irritates me the most about this dude is he like he, he thinks he's above all this and he thinks he knows all this, dude. You're, you're 18 games into the into the NFL into your NFL career. You don't know jack shit, bro. 
It's going to be a fun offseason. Can't wait. Can't wait for Kraft to lay down the fire and brimstone. Well, imagine if they falter down the stretch. Like, imagine if they somehow lose, like, three of the next four games. Like, could you imagine, like, just the uproar? Like, it would be musty TV, must must listen radio in uh, in New England for, mm-hmm. for about three months straight. Ain't that the truth. Mm-hmm. All right, are we done with this? I think we've put a fork <laughs> in the packs for the fifth time this year. <laughs> we played the hits. <laughs> we the hits. We uh, went from 20 years of excellence <laughs> to the XFL. <laughs> It, it, but I mean, it is sad though. Like I, I know we joke about it, but it is sad what happened to this once great organization, man. Sad. Yeah, well, they thought the same thing in Miami too. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the seven and six Tennessee Titans taking on the seven and six Los Angeles Chargers. Puma, what is happening in Tennessee? A couple of embarrassing losses. GM gets fired. There seems a little bit of a turmoil going on. What, what's going on, man? Well, it sounded like there was a little bit of a power struggle between uh-huh. uh, Mike Vrabel and the the general manager, uh, J- Jim Robinson, Joe Robinson, something yeah. Robinson. Yeah, um, and it it all came it all came to a head after the AJ Brown game. Uh-huh. Uh, so that wasn't an accident. And, you know, as much as the owner wants to say there was no coup, there was no power struggle. Yeah, right. I mean, you're first in the AFC South right now. I I don't see why you would make this move. <laughs> You know, in December, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but you know, Derrick Henry. I think we're starting to see a a lot of the tread like rear its ugly head from the tire with all the carries he's had over the last couple of years. Um, Traylon Burks, the guy that was drafted to essentially be the AJ Brown light in this offense, uh, he missed last week with a concussion, and. You know the 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 Jags. They're they're one of those surprising teams, surging teams right now that might make a run for the AFC South. I mean, you know, Jacksonville just has to win one out of three games. And I think if Tennessee loses this game, you know, the last game of the season is Titans Jags. Uh, that might be for mm-hmm. the AFC South. Like winner winner go home. Um, but you know, in this matchup here. You know, Mike Vrabel being Mike Vrabel, he's gonna have he's going to have this team prepared. Like he's not gonna have the team, you know, loaf around and 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 kind of rest on this lead in their laurels. He's actually going to use a game plan that's going to, you know, weaken the 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 Los Angeles Chargers. And I think you're gonna see a shit ton of Derrick Henry mm-hmm. against the, the, the Chargers this weekend. Whether or not, you know, that defense is healthy, I think you're gonna see a lot of him. Traylon Burks, I know he's still in the concussion protocol at the moment. There's a chance he might clear it. So if that's the case, you know, Tannehill in the play-action pass should be potent enough to put points on the board with Derrick Henry rumbling and stumbling and bumbling uh, to the end zone. So, I mean, the the Titans are a three-point underdog on the road. I kind of see them as a live dog to potentially win this game. You know, no disrespect to the Chargers. They took down... You know, one of the uh, the eight, you know AFC top teams in the Miami Dolphins uh, on primetime last week, uh, but I, I just have zero faith in Brandon Staley. Who knows if Joe Lombardi is going to, you know, wilt back into a pumpkin with the play calling? Um, and you know, some of these skill position players—they're one one route away from having a blown out hamstring or a bad ankle and being out the rest of the game, and there goes the whole ball game. So, give me the Titans getting points here plus three. Uh, over-unders at 47.5. I kind of like the under in this game. I think the number's about right, but I like the Titans getting the points here. Yeah, man, I'll uh, I'll go ahead and uh, you know echo that thought as well just because I think Derrick Henry is going to have a monstrous day. If you have in fantasy, please start him. He's going to eat up that um, that front seven for the Chargers, which still cannot stop any running attack. I don't understand how they're still so bad at stopping the run, but... You know, the Titans themselves, they're, they're an interesting, like, case study here because they were kind of rolling for a while there. They're, like, you know, making their way up to the top of the AFC. And the last three weeks have been absolutely abysmal. Like, I understand you lost to the Bengals on the 27th of November. You lost to the Eagles on December 4th. I get that. Those are two really good premier teams. But then you lose 36-22 to the Jags. Like, I mean, I get it. Trevor Lawrence has been playing good football the last four weeks. But, 
I'm just I'm just kind of shook about this. And, and I think if the Chargers come at this with the angle of what the Jaguars came at, it was trying to you know get the lead early, make sure you put the game in you know the quarterback's hand. Derek Henry gets neutralized. That's the only way the Chargers can win. Unfortunately, I just think that Brandon Staley, for his you know great win against the Miami Dolphins, is still a little bit of an idiot. Now, now, now that let's talk about that Dolphins game real quick against uh, the Chargers and the Dolphins, like. That in itself was shocking, obviously, too, as a as a, uh, as a Dolphins fan. But for me, as a Brandon Staley uh, hater at this point, like I was kind of like, okay, all right, Brandon Staley, maybe you got something. Like that might have been his his best performance um, besides that week three win he had last year in Kansas City. Like I, I was absolutely stunned that he was able to provide that much pressure and basically with the JV defensive team, six of their starters on defense were out. So I was truly impressed with with what um, with what uh, Brandon Staley did. But then as you look at it closer, I think this was more about the Miami Dolphins in this fight than it was Brandon Staley, right? So like mm-hmm. if it was more about Brandon Staley doing it, then I'd feel more confident about taking him this week. But I just don't. I, I still think that Derrick Henry is going to run the hell out of the ball. They're going to basically take the the ball away from uh, from Justin Herbert, play a uh, time of possession game, and I think it should be a fairly easy win truthfully what's the what's the yep. spread in this game uh it's tennessee getting three points oh yeah yeah i think tennessee's gonna win by at least a touchdown and they're gonna get their season back on track Mm-hmm. you know fun fact you know the last time the jaguars won on the road in tennessee was like what 1997 or some shit like 99 wow like yeah bananas <laughs> that's a long time ago bro uh-huh. That was pre-Y2K, man. Uh, yeah, dude. Y2 Jericho, <laughs> save us. Do you remember that time in history where we thought Y2K was going to happen and the world would just stop on, like... Oh, everybody? God, everyone was getting the bread and milk uh, and like, school what? system didn't know what they were going to do. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I only bring that up because Aaron Rodgers brought up Y2K the other day. He was talking about. Okay. He, he was talking about how you know he's on his path of healing, and ayahuasca has made him understand that you know death is not uh, finite; it's a passage to the afterlife. And now, with the help of ayahuasca and this other drug, I forgot what it was, um, he's more able to you know he's not afraid of death anymore like he was back in college and he said he was afraid of Y2K at that point. I'm like, dude, just like, what are, what are you talking about? Man? He would. What are you he talking He would about? be that dude. <laughs> what are you talking he about? He would be that dude that was worried about Y2K. <laughs> <laughs> Shut. On the next. Th- that guy. Let's get the Bengals bucks. Well, I was hoping Fuck that, that would, dude. I was hoping that would trigger you would have like a 10-minute rant about it. <laughs> I, you know what? Fine, Jay. Here you <laughs> go. Asking you shall receive. <laughs> Really? Really? Oh, Y2J? Like, Y2K? Here I am. I'm lumping Chris Jericho with this nonsense. He would be that dude. He would be that dude that's worried about, you know, this in college and at Cal and all that nonsense. Man, just stop. Just... It's like that meme. There's like I, I don't remember like the what scene it's from, but like I'm pretty sure someone asks a kid like, "Why can't you be normal?" Like that that is me with Aaron Rodgers. Like it, like the ayahuasca immunized, you know, w- w- blue of the earth. I think that's his new fiance or wife or whatever until she dumps him right before the NFL Player Award ceremony. You know, I, 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 I'm at a loss for words for this dude. Like, I, I don't know. I kind of hope he actually retires next season. Like, I'm, I'm just done with the sideshow and the Pat McAfee appearances and the, you know, the, ugh, I can't, I can't, I can't. Go go right off into the ayahuasca set and go down the river sticks and pay your toll and, and whatnot. I, I, I can't. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the 9-4 Cincinnati Bengals at the 6-7 and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And truthfully, Puma, like, I don't want to talk about this game, but I'm, like, sitting down to do my prep notes about the podcast. I'm like, wait a minute. Why are you even doing this game? Like, the Bengals are going to absolutely steamroll the Buccaneers. Like, just how bad the the, Bengal, the, the Buccaneers are and how well the Bengals are playing. Like, I, I don't really see a way that the Buccaneers um, could win this game. So, so, I guess we can just ask, like, hey, what do you think about the Bengals so far? Like, I mean, they're doing they're, – they're fairly coming alive at the right time. Like, can they be real players in the AFC? Uh, yeah, they're the hottest team in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. They've won, like, the last five games. They're 9-4. Uh, they're and four. They're tied with Baltimore for the division lead in the AFC North. Um, I definitely have them as 
you know, winning this division with the track record that they're on, especially with Lamar, Lamar Jackson being hurt. Who knows if uh, Ta- Taylor Huntley or Tyler Huntley is going to be able to go uh, this weekend. Uh, he got knocked out of the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, you know, I, uh, I think it's, it's Bengals are nothing at this point, rest of season to win the AFC North. I, I don't think they're going to be the number one seed, but this is kind of how they started off last year. They started off slow, and then they got really hot down the stretch. And, you know, the field goal kicker coming through clutch, and next thing you know, they're in the Super Bowl. But, you know, no disrespect to, to you know, anybody. But Joe Burrow is just absolutely on fire at this point. You know, maybe if he had this hot streak start a little bit, you know, a couple of weeks prior, maybe he would be at least a dark horse for the MVP candidacy at this point. But, I mean, it's Bengals nothing for me. I mean, this game, not not to sound like your brother, but like the six and seven Buccaneers, like, okay, maybe we should relegate them. Just kidding. Stop no, we're not it. relegating Don't anybody. Give fuel, bro. Nah, we're not relegating anybody. It's just, God, it's such a bad football team. <laughs> it's just so bad yeah, at all it's, fronts. It's bad. I don't, but, I, don't, I don't understand. I don't understand how the Buccaneers is bad, bro. I really don't. And and and, and truthfully, Tom Brady is uh, obviously a big part of it because he's a, he's a quarterback, so he'll get most of the blame, and we will give him his blame. But my God, like the the just like everything on this team is so bad. The offensive line, the defense, the coaching. I think I think the coaching is something that's not being played up. Like I understand how people are talking about the fact that at one point Todd Bowles was a bad head coach in New, in New York and now he's the same exact bad head coach with the same exact things that he messed up in New York he's doing it over again like I, I understand that I mean Jay it got to the point during the 49ers blowout I uh I actually thought I wonder if Tom Brady's gonna like ask for just to come back and like he'll ride off into the sunset with her because this is an I've never seen a beat down this bad but back to the original question at hand what are your thoughts on the Bengals moving forward? Oh, man, yeah. The Bengals are a big-time fan. Big-time fan of Joe Burrow, man. That guy, he, he's so good. Like, it's not even the fact that he's actually, actually running more this year, which I don't know if people have picked up on, but he last year was coming off the ACL injury, so he was more hesitant to break the pocket. He felt comfortable in the pocket. But now, like, they're really using him. Like, I saw a couple of plays where, like, they actually, like, used him as, like, a running back almost. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's kind of insane. So if they can just keep on going, like like top to bottom, this team is so complete. Like they don't have like the big stars on defense, but they pay, they play so like in tune. Like whoever the defensive coordinator is for the Bengals should be looked at for potentially getting a head coaching job because he's got these boys playing on a string, like all eleven all eleven of them. So big fan of of obviously Joe Burrow and the Bengals. You know, truthfully, my money's still on the, on the Bills, but obviously on any given week I could be swayed off that just because of how erratic that's team is but i feel like joe burrow and like the Bengals are much more steadier and on top of that they don't fear nobody i'm not saying the bills feel the fear the chiefs but the bills haven't beat the chiefs in the playoffs yet the the Bengals have the Bengals have beat them three Mm -hmm. times three times in a row and they don't fear the chiefs at all so it's going to be interesting in how the playoff picture plays out and like obviously i harp on this every week but the bills must by all accounts must get that number one seed because whoever the number two seed is, is probably going to have to play that number two, three matchup between Kansas City and Buff and, and the Bengals. Yep. Now, do you think T. Higgins is going to play this week? He only played one snap with the hamstring injury, and I think uh, a lot of people in fantasy football land were pissed that happened after he didn't show up on an injury report. Cool. But even, do you think he's going to play this week? I mean, I think he will, but even if he doesn't, it's not going to matter. Like, besides fantasy-wise, like, the Bengals, they're just so much better than the, the, the Buccaneers. And the Buccaneers, truthfully, have quit, especially on defense. Like, that's the most alarming part is they just let anybody run wild. They made Brock Purdy look like the next Joe Montana. But T. Higgins and O.T. Higgins, that Jamar Chase is going to light that offense, uh, that defense up, man. Mm-hmm. So. Not good. And uh, somehow the Bengals are only laying three and a half points. Ooh, I take There's that. no way that's, that's right. Double, that might be a double that you win, man. There's no way. Yeah. Wow. Uh, all right. I guess we're going to give still give a lot of respect for Tom Brady. Don't I think the Bengals should be winning at least six, but that's just me. Um, yeah, I'm amazed. I would definitely lay the three and a half with Cincinnati. Yep, yep. All right, let's uh, do the uh, best best with the Puma. All right, best bets with the Puma. So, like I said off the top, it was not my happiest of weekends because of, uh, you know, my uh, my parlays getting slaughtered by the Raiders. But 
this week. It kind of got a lot of totals going this week. I got the over 40 and a half Giants Washington football team on Sunday night football. Uh, you know, that's, that's going to be a great game. Uh, I think we can definitely get over the 40 and a half, whether or not it's in regulation or overtime. Uh, Tennessee Titans plus three against the Chargers. I got a teaser bet. I am teasing up the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, from plus two and a half to plus eight and a half against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, you know, Carolina off of a huge win against the Seattle Seahawks, and somehow the Panthers are still alive for a division title in the NFC South. Uh, but I think they can definitely keep it within a touchdown here. I don't think the Panthers are, you know, more than a touchdown uh, better than than the Steelers at this point, especially with the Steelers defense with TJ Walkback and, you know, maybe making Fitzpatrick will, you know, be on the mend enough to be in this game. And the Raiders, not only did I take them just straight up plus one, I also put them in a teaser as well. So I teased them up from Raiders plus one and a half to Raiders plus seven and a half to get through that key number of a touchdown. Um, I definitely think the Raiders are live to win this game. So I have no problem teasing it up just to be on the safe side. And then the absolute barn burner of the weekend, Jay, Arizona Cardinals led by Colt McCoy against the Denver Broncos and maybe Brett Rippon at quarterback because Russell Wilson has a concussion. Give me the over 36 and a half. I mean, we're not going to need a whole lot of points to get over this low number of 36 and a half. Um, you know, the Cardinals offense, I they haven't missed a beat whenever Colt McCoy has played. And I think it might actually function a little bit better when Colt McCoy is actually back there. And, you know, for the Broncos side of things, just get the ball to Jerry Judy and he'll make good things happen, especially if Cortland Sutton's not really going to be that productive coming off of a hamstring injury. So give me the over 36 and a half in that game. I got the Jets laying a point against the Detroit Lions. I know the Detroit Lions are the darling of the NFL right now. They're surging. They're still alive for a division title in the NFC, uh, NFC North, I should say. Um, but Jared Goff, cold weather, historically has not been that great of a quarterback. Uh, you know, we're not in a dome. We're outside. It's going to be cold. Uh, give me the Jets and Mike White laying a point against the Detroit Lions here. Uh, the over 42 and a half uh, Atlanta Falcons, New Orleans Saints. Uh, they went to Desmond Ritter. Uh, Atlanta did. They benched Marcus Mariota slash put him on injured reserve because of a knee injury. Um, I think this could potentially be a shootout, as weird as it is to say with the Falcons and Saints. But give me the over 42 and a half. Um, and for Thursday night, I have Marquise Goodwin over 24 and a half receiving yards. You know, the, uh, the running game, Kenneth Walker, he's got, he potentially may make this game. I think he's trending towards playing, but San Francisco elite defense. I think they're going to try to key in on shutting down, uh, you know, DK Metcalf and this run game. And I think this is going to leave opportunities for Marquise Goodwin to get 25 receiving yards. We really just need one bomb down the field to get over this total. And possible revenge spot for Marquise Goodwin. He was on the 49ers a couple of years ago. Maybe he just wants to stick it to this team. So give me the over 24 and a half receiving yards for Marquise Goodwin. And Seattle Seahawks plus three and a half at home against the surging 49ers it seems like the 49ers are a team of destiny at this point but Brock Purdy short week oblique injury and it's going to be on the road in Seattle with the 12s howling and yelling up there I get I'm taking the three and a half points with the Seahawks I think they covered I think potentially the Seahawks win to keep pace with the potential NFC West title yeah absolutely hey uh, do you still listen to a WFAN down in New York Oh, yeah. Uh, what's the latest with uh, Mike White and Zach Wilson being elevated up to the number two spot? Uh, he It's still Mike White's job. He's They're expecting him to play. He doesn't really have that much comfort. Uh, you know, they're probably hitting him up with the feel-good meds uh, with the rib injury here. But, you know, from all accounts and from practice reports, it sounds like Mike White is going to be quarterback one this weekend. I think, I think Zach Wilson's just quarterback two just because we saw Flacco go into the game and immediately put the ball on the ground. Like, you know, Zach Wilson can't be any worse than that. So um, it's still Mike White's job. Uh, you know, the the personalities at the at the fan, uh, the, the the callers calling in, there there have been a few calling in for Zach Wilson yeah. to have the job back. But, I mean, Jay, it is few and very, very, very far between. 
Well, that's buddy, a Mike White town right now. Well, our buddy Sweeney, he's still a Zach Wilson fan, and like you know, I I, I never understood like why. I mean, my brother's doing the now now doing this with Daniel Jones. Like, I never understood why fan bases just like dig into like quarterbacks that haven't done nothing for them, and they just like will defend the wall no matter what, right? I mean, maybe it's just simply like some sort of like weird sports like lack of self esteem. Like the whole town has like, like a lack of self esteem when it comes to their sports team, and they're just like, ah, whatever. Zach Wilson treats me like shit. I'll still support him, that kind of thing. But I, I don't know. Like I, I just find it funny. Like when when fan bases will just like cling on to a potential like franchise quarterback like that. It's it's funny, you know. Since you brought up Daniel Jones, there was a segment might have been yesterday. Uh, someone for the I think it was the New York Post. I forget the the writer, but he was making the case of like trying to do a quasi long-term extension Jesus with Christ. Daniel Jones or, or hitting him with the franchise tag, which would be like 30 and a half million dollars oh based on what the quarterbacks make. And, you know, I know we talked about it last week, but like fans were like really, again, few, but like they were calling up being like, you need to get, you need to get a deal done with DJ. We got to have him long-term. It's, it's been a hard time trying to evaluate him with no talent talent around them and it's like at some point like you're gonna have to call a spade a spade like whether or not Saquon Barkley's been healthy or you know uh Sterling Shepard's been healthy yes has he been great this season Jay sure he's been he I mean compared to what he was when he first came out of Duke with the turnovers he has been great in that sample size of protecting the ball but is that worthy of like hitting him with the franchise tag and potentially losing Saquon Barkley? Or do I really want to go back into even more salary cap hell by signing him to a long-term extension? I don't think a team is going to overpay to get Daniel Jones. Maybe the, an argument could be made for the New England Patriots just because of the quarterback situation with Pat Jones right now and the acrimony that's going on. But I, you could, if you were to say, "All right, DJ, here's a two-year deal. We're gonna pay you 15 each year for a total of 30, whatever." I could live with that. But to hit him with the franchise tag for one year for 30 million dollars because you think another franchise is gonna swoop in and take this guy is idiotic. Well, like that's that's the funny thing to me is like, why would you want to try to hitch a wagon to a Daniel Jones type of quarterback? Like, why wouldn't you? Understand, you know, he is who he is. He's above average on most good days. And for most of his career, he's been below average. Why would you want to huddle around that, like, average median when you could try to be shooting for a Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, or Patrick Mahomes? Like, that's the thing I never understood that, like, you know, this is this is how my, my brother and a lot of Giants fans think. Like, they think that somehow if you drop Daniel Jones into a perfect situation, like, He'll win. Like, put it this way. He, they think that if you put him into that Philadelphia Eagles starting lineup right now, they'd it, it, be 12-1 just like uh, Jalen Hurts got that team to 12-1. Yeah, okay. That's comical. See what you Seriously. do, Jay. And this is this is what, you know, I think you're going to see the Cardinals and, you know, if I'm the Giants, I would potentially do this too, is what is stopping you from tanking for Caleb Williams next year mm -hmm. in the draft? Mm -hmm. Like, are you kidding me? Like, okay, DJ, like – we're going to do a two-year deal. You're going to be the bridge guy, and it's not going to be pretty next season, but we got to shed this salary cap, and we got to get that top draft pick to change the trajectory of this franchise because you ain't it. Yeah, we want Caleb Williams. Uh, I, I mean, what is stopping any team from doing that right now? Well, I would totally do that. Well, yeah, but, like, the, obviously the, that coaching staff needs to win to keep their job. I mean, two years in a row. Like, I mean, we're not, obviously, again, Dayball started out hot this year, but the way it's going to end for him, he's going to be a 500 coach this year. I think, but considering the situation and the salary cap, like, there is going to be some leash for that for that roster. I mean, it, if, if, they, if they do the Apollo hook on him after two years – when you know looking at the salary cap and the books and everything like then that that is why the giants are a quasi comical franchise at that point like this is what the dolphins did at 19 they ripped the band-aid off they stripped it down the studs steve ross was like we need to win we need to change the trajectory of the franchise and if you know, getting rid of assets to get in young talent and draft picks and get the money off our books is the way to do it then so be it yeah yeah Okay. Uh, I think the uh, the last point about that is, like, I, I wonder, obviously, we all agree Brady's going to play next year, right? So I wonder where he lands and how that... You don't think Brady's playing next year? 
I don't know, man. Right, for the sake of argument, let's say he plays next year, and depending on where he lands, I wonder if that's going to shake free like a veteran quarterback, right? Like, let's say if he goes to Las Vegas or whether it's Forty Nine or whatever it is, does does the Giants do they get on the phone with Jimmy Garoppolo or or Carr? Like, I mean, I wonder how that's going to sh- shake out. Mm-hmm. No, that'd definitely be interesting. Me personally, I don't think he's playing next year. You think he's done? That's just me. I think so. I mean, you kidding me, dude? Like, he's looked like he'd rather be running through, like, Tehran in a Captain America outfit from time to time during the season. He's got that cushy gig coming up with Fox, being the highest-paid TV commentator without ever really doing anything in a booth before. He doesn't have to get whacked anymore from the deep, you know, his offensive line potentially getting him killed. The offensive line in Las Vegas ain't getting any better anytime mm-hmm. soon either. That's true. Like I would, I would take the money and run at this point. Like, nope, I got my, I got my Super Bowls and, and all that stuff. Like, I got nothing to prove. I won without Bill. Who gives a shit? I'm done. I'm going to Fox. I'm going to call games and I'm going to have you know maybe a little mini on air beef with uh, with Tony Romo. You know for who's the best color band in uh, in the NFL. Well, like, I mean, the money's always going to be there, right? Like, I mean, it's not like the, the contract says you must start by this date. Like, I just think he's right. not, he's not going to want to walk away after this season. Is this, is this the last way we're going to think of him? Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think with the fact that he's obviously single now and he's out there plying Instagram models, and, I mean, what's what's keeping him from playing for another couple of years, you know? His kids? I mean, come on, he gets those kids. Yeah, I'm going to go with the TV gig. The beautiful thing about this is we'll all revisit it when it happens. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. But, Jay, before we wrap, we got to talk about Mike Leach real quick. Yes. Rest in peace, Mike Leach. Yep. So, for those of you that don't know, such a sad story out of uh, Starkville, uh, you know, Mississippi. Head coach of Mississippi State Bulldogs, uh, former head coach of – you know, the Washington State Cougars, uh, head coach of, you know, the Gardner Minshew Mania and uh, the Texas Tech Red Raiders, which I believe Cliff Kingsbury was also on that coaching staff. Uh, he passed yesterday, uh, Monday, December 13th, uh, actually Tuesday, December 13th, my apologies, uh, from a massive heart attack he suffered over the weekend. Uh, probably the antithesis of what a football coach is. Uh, you know, definitely a free spirit was not really – I'm not going to say not about ball all the time, but definitely loose was always a, a fun time at a press conference and called it like it is. And uh, it sucks that the you know college ranks or in pro you know football in general is not going to have that that quasi you know renegade in its ranks anymore. It, it just sucks. Uh, I've been watching old pressers of of Mike Leach for the last couple of days. It, it's uh, it's going to suck not seeing that guy on the sideline anymore but uh you know thoughts and prayers out to the the mike leach family and uh man it just sucks yeah it was sad it was a gut punch man it was uh it was definitely you know as you get older like you start to you know you see a lot of these deaths and and i don't know about you but for me i feel like i see a lot more of this now like because of of twitter and social media now that any anytime anybody dies you know about it. Like back in the day, nobody knew who died. It, it is what it is. And then you had a conversation six months later. Oh, crap, that dude died. You feel me? Like now you're more mm-hmm. into it. So you kind of get numb to it as bad as that sounds. But that one, when I read that news, I was like, holy crap, that, that's that's big. Because Mike Leach is such a such a staple in college football. And a lot of people don't understand. You know, obviously he's got his press conferences and his jokes. And we all, you know, have a good time with that. But people don't understand just how integral he was in constructing the air raid offense that has now been branched out into all parts of football, whether it's high school, college, or even the NFL. A lot of teams run the air raid offense or some variant of it, and this is the dude that started it. So, innovator, man, he obviously, you know, didn't care what anybody else thought about him. He beat to his own drum. You know, a story that I heard on on the TV the other day was, you know, back in the day when Donald Trump was like, he owned half of Manhattan, like, he called up Donald Trump, and he was like, hey, listen, he called the secretary, he's like, hey, listen, you don't know who I am, but I'm the, the the head coach of the Texas Tech Raiders. I want to sit down with Donald Trump and pick his brain and how he, be, he became so successful in his field because he wanted to get that intelligence. And he just basically was that kind of guy. Just pick up the phone, talk to anybody. And Donald Trump actually granted the meeting and actually got to pick his brain. So it was it was interesting to you know just to see the, the stories come out of him over the years. We're gonna miss him. I don't know I'm gonna miss him as, as a devout college football fan. And you know, rest in peace, man. 
Yeah, 18 days coming off of his first Egg Bowl win, too. Oof. Just oof, sucks. Goddamn. All right, man. Well, listen, uh, let's plug it up and get out of here, bro. All right, this episode of the podcast and previous episodes of the Pro Football Radio Podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, anywhere else you get your podcasts. Uh, YouTube, be sure to hit the little bell button to subscribe and get the notifications of when uh, our latest video is dropped into your feed. Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star review. Uh, Google Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star review as well, too. Social media-wise, Facebook and Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast. Twitter machine, at PFR Podcast. I'm on Twitter, Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima, the captain of the ship, is at Jay Chima. Like, subscribe, download, hit us up on the social media platforms and the DMs. Happy to talk college ball, betting, life, whatever you want. Hit us up, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. And, um, you know... If you're out there doing some late, you know, last minute Christmas shopping, like I'm going to be doing tomorrow, Godspeed, saying a prayer for you at the mall. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys next week. Via con Dios. <laughs> <laughs>